You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. What's going on, everybody? I'm Kyrie Thompson, your host of First and Foxborough, bringing you yet another episode heading into preseason week one, the, the official preseason week one. Obviously, we've had training camp for a little bit more than a week, right? You know, a week and a half. But now the football is going to start getting semi-real, which means we should start thinking about who's actually going to be playing that semi-real football and eventually the real football for the New England Patriots. Obviously, we got a little bit of time before things get cut down to 53 players. As far as important dates, let's keep this in mind. August 16th, which is one week from Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, is when you cut down from 90 to 85 players. Then the following week, it goes from 85 to 80. Then you have the massive cut down day on August 30th, going from 80 to 53. And obviously, you'll, you'll have some cuts trickling in here and there after the, the final preseason game and then going into the week before the season. So it, it's going to be a busy time over these next couple of weeks. I mean, those of you who follow football, you, you know how hectic it gets. Some of your favorite players are going to be cut. Maybe they're going to make the practice squad. Maybe they'll be on entirely different teams. Maybe they'll be out of the NFL. You never know. But I want to draw your attention to the in-stadium practice the Patriots held this past Friday, which was, I mean, while not quite a boring walkthrough the way that it normally is, was, I think, a bit more informative about the state of the team and who's going to be making this roster than it usually is. Now, let me let me talk about what I mean by that. So just like in the past, the Patriots split things up into Team Blue and Team White. Though last year, for example, it was a smattering of starters and backups on both squads. This year, it was a lot more standard varsity versus JV, with Team Blue being led by like Mac Jones and having Damian Harris and Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. Like really the whole starting offense, the starting defense, the players you expect to be out there contributing pretty fully on Sundays. There were and there were 37 of those players. And I would say out of those 37, I would say 35 feel like roster locks to me. Probably the only two exceptions would be like Cody Davis, maybe. But he's been one of Belichick's favorite special teamers for so long. It'd be a little surprising if he didn't make it. A little bit more on a scenario in which that wouldn't happen later. The other guy I'm kind of watching here is James Ferentz, who, to me, he's not a lock as a backup offensive lineman. At the same time, he's got so much versatility that I feel like he's got a pretty good chance. So, I mean, I would say all in all, almost every player on that blue team is probably making the 53-man roster, barring some just wild fall off or another player emerges or what have you, right, or an injury. And that includes like Malcolm Butler, who hasn't necessarily played that well, 
so far, but his experience in this defense probably gets him on the roster and the trust that he's earned over the past as a star corner in this league. Also, I mentioned this in my stock watch last week. I'm really intrigued by Anthony Jennings being able to come on the way that he has. We haven't really seen a whole lot from him the past couple of years. He was a third round pick in 2020 and didn't play at all in 2021. He ended up on IR for the entire season. So now he's come back and looks like he's going to have actual real rotational snaps on the edge. And he's can play linebacker and he can play some off-ball linebacker as well if you really need him to. So there we go. We got probably 37 players that are on this team that you could probably pencil in right now. And then Team White had 40 players, you know, the, the JV team. Now, let's assume a good chunk of the rookies end up making the team because Team White had like Tyquan Thornton, Bailey Zappi, Jack Jones, Pierre Strong. They're probably all making the team, right? I think Kevin Harris might be the odd man out there in terms of rookies. He's I, he's had a really nice camp. I think he's been a very pleasant surprise, but he's a sixth round pick. It's a pretty full running back room. Even if James White ends up on, on the pup list and stays on IR all season. So I don't know. That could be a kind of tough one for Kevin Harris to crack. We'll see how that turns out. Then for other backups, Justin Haran's probably going to be your primary swing tackle. So no worries about that. Cameron McGrone, backup linebacker, his second year linebacker, he's going to be there. Ronnie Perkins is going to be there, even though he hasn't done a whole lot of anything. Then I think that's where things start getting a little bit more interesting is after you get past the backups and then you start getting into more roster bubble type guys. So I'm going to give a yay or nay on five players as far as whether I think at this point in time that they would make the 53-man roster at the end of the month. And obviously that doesn't assure them a spot going into week one. And honestly, we just have no idea what could happen between now and then. But let's just have fun with this exercise and see where it lands us. First, I wanna do Trey Nixon, okay? This is the big one or one of the biggest ones people wanna know about. Is Trey Nixon the seventh round pick from last year? Is he gonna crack this roster at this point in time? I am saying yay on Trey Nixon. He had a pretty quiet start to padded practices, but I think he came on in this past week. He caught some touchdown passes for Mac Jones. He got open a bunch for Bailey Zappi during the in-stadium walkthrough. And I think just generally, we're starting to see that quickness show up in more one-on-one situations, seeing him getting open and available consistently for his quarterbacks. He's been working on special teams a lot as a return guy, too, and I think that he would do anything that they asked him to do. I think he's done enough to justify nabbing a sixth receiver spot, which I think should be good enough to make the team, assuming Ty Montgomery's viewed more as a running back than as a wide receiver. Now, that, of course, would mean in that scenario that Christian Wilkerson isn't making it. Wilkerson, he's had a better camp this year than he did last year. I think what really stood out was the the big play potential for Wilkerson, the explosiveness and all that. Last year, he had a lot of drops. This year, he's done much better with that. I think he's shown up more consistently. But even with that said, I feel like Nixon has been a bit ahead of him. I feel like Nixon has started to get ahead of Wilkerson a little bit. And I think more importantly, he has a better rapport with Mac Jones, meaning Trey Nixon does. You haven't seen Wilkerson, at least 
to me recently haven't seen Wilkerson as much getting in with the number ones as Trey Nixon has. And Nixon's been making plays. He's been in there with Mac Jones, catching passes and moving the chains. So right now, I've got Trey Nixon in the mix. Next on the list, Miles Bryant. I'm going to say nay on this one. Honestly, not really his fault. He hasn't been bad necessarily. It's just a pretty deep cornerback room. You've got four outside cornerbacks that you're probably going to keep. Jalen Mills, Terrence Mitchell, Malcolm Butler, Jack Jones. I think that Malcolm Butler is probably the question mark maybe out of that group. But again, as I mentioned, his experience probably keeps him in the mix. And then you've got two slot guys, Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones, who are definitely ahead of Miles Bryant in the pecking order, at least recently. Jonathan Jones came off PUP and looks really good right away. Like he, he immediately looks like your starter. Marcus Jones, they clearly like him. Like, for example, if you want to read into it, Marcus Jones, third round pick, he was on Team Blue. He was the only other rookie aside from Cole Strange, who's been the starting left guard this entire time. The only other one on Team Blue. And I think that Marcus Jones is probably going to be your starting punt returner and could very well see time on defense, like actual defensive snaps. So I think with all that in mind, say you've got those six cornerbacks and then the safety group is so strong that I don't see a way for Bryant to break in there either. I think that assuming Jabril Peppers is going to be back and ready to play, Patriots are probably going to keep five safeties. Joshua Bledsoe, like, yeah, he was a sixth round pick last year, but he's been really good. They're not cutting that guy. He's going to be on the team, again, barring some kind of unforeseen circumstance. So in short, I think the only way Bryant has a shot is if one of those cornerbacks we expect to be there is gone, like Malcolm Butler just falls off and he gets cut or Jonathan Jones gets traded or something like that, or if Jabril Peppers can't start the season. Other than that, I think it's going to be Miles Bryant getting cut and I would think he would make it to the practice squad and they'll probably want to keep him around. He was able to come up last season and serve a big role at the end of the year, even though, I mean, he got a little bit maligned for some of the beatings he took against the Bills and such, but I I don't think they're going to want to cut ties with him completely. I would see him back on the practice squad for sure. Next is a name that I really did not expect to be talking about, and that is Arlington Hambright. This is one I really don't think any of us saw coming. Like, he he couldn't make an impression in Chicago as a seventh-round pick from 2020. He spent all of 2021 on the practice squad, didn't make the initial 53-man roster. And then he signs a futures contract with the Patriots in January and comes in he, just like a – you'd think he's a camp body. Like, he's not really going to do much of anything. And then guess what? This past week, he's rotating in with the starting offense at right guard as they try to get that outside zone game back on track. Because right now, I think the Patriots are looking at Michael Onwenu and thinking he's not cutting it. And, you know, they've used a little bit of James Ferentz at right guard and a little bit of Hambright. And that's really a monster rise for a guy that nobody really expected anything from on this team. So, look. I am going to give a yay to Arlington Hambright, Lord Arlington, for a couple of reasons. Biggest reason, I think, is his ability to move in space as an outside zone blocker. I think it's been pretty noticeable when they put him in there. 
and glaringly so when you look at him compared to Onwenu, who, I mean, Onwenu, is just, he's a big dude, you know, 350 pounds. I think that his role, I mean, may, maybe the Patriots, I can't put words in their mouth, but maybe they're looking at it like, yeah, this guy can block in a straight line, but he's really not getting it done on these movement kind of schemes we're looking at. I think it's also worth noting that Owenu is a former sixth round pick who, again, he's played well, but he couldn't stay on the field as a as a one of the best five offensive linemen last year either. They subbed him out for Ted Karras at guard. So I don't know. Could we see that again? Perhaps. But look, let's get back to Hambright for a second. If you look at last year's initial 53-man roster, the Patriots kept nine offensive linemen to start. So, assuming you've got six in the bag with Justin Haran being one of the starters, because he's the swing tackle, right? That's at least two spots to me that are left if you want to give some cushion here. And Ference has the ability to play center and guard, so I think he's probably going to stay in there because that gives you insurance for David Andrews if you need it. And obviously, Andrews is coming off some shoulder issues, so you need to be cognizant of that. But to me, in the little bit that I've seen, Hambright has more upside than Ference as a mover in space, and he's been more of a standout than Yasir Durant or Will Sherman or Bill Murray in terms of fringe guys that might make the team so somehow I have talked myself into Arlington Hambright being on this team right now did not see that coming but I think that as of right now he has earned it he's earned the opportunity and I don't know man who knows this could be another one of those just random nobody saw anything in this guy you plug him in on the Patriots offensive line and he's at least serviceable if not good I don't know that I'm going to say Hambright's going to be good, but I think that he's acquitted himself pretty well when given an opportunity. Now, somebody that you've heard a little bit more of with the Patriots and not necessarily in a good way, Devin Asiasi, who I am just going to say nay. I'm going to say nay on Asiasi. The Patriots could absolutely use a little bit more tight end depth here, but if we're going to be honest, Asiasi just isn't good enough to me. We've heard about him getting better as a route runner and all that. He's, he's still got the athletic build, and he looks like he should be good. He looks like he should be on the field. But, I mean, he just struggles to catch the ball cleanly. And I don't know that I see a whole lot great from him as a blocker either. So if either Hunter Henry or Jonu Smith gets hurt, it's hard to envision them trusting Asiasi to do anything meaningful in the pass or run game. And he's not the fullback hybrid type player that Dalton Keene is either. Speaking of which, I mean, Keene's missed the last couple of practices. I could have seen him maybe being an H-back type of player. But again, with, with Keene too, I just don't know that I see him making this team. He just hasn't really shown enough of anything. So at this point, I think Asiasi probably is what he is. And what he is is not a particularly good NFL player. I know that if you want to run the tight end, the two tight end offense that, you know, maybe the Patriots have in mind and the one that's been looking pretty good during camp, it's kind of hard to do that if you only have two tight ends on the roster. So that might be the only reason Asiasi is able to sneak on. But just in a vacuum, if you're asking me who should make this team, Devin Asiasi is not on my list. All right, last one here. Let's get into... 
an undrafted free agent that everybody's been pretty hyped about, LeBrian Ray. So Ray has basically been tabbed from before training camp even as one of the undrafted free agents with the best chance to make the Patriots team. He fell out of the draft due to injuries suffered just throughout his career at Alabama and college. He only played the majority of the season twice in five years. And, and again, he didn't necessarily light the world on fire while he was doing that. But Belichick loves his diamonds in the rough. And I'm sure that he has seen that Ray was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Kind of the same with Jack Jones, right? Jack Jones comes into college, he goes to USC, and he falls off because of, you know, misdemeanor charges and academic ineligibility. And then he falls to the fourth round this year, and Belichick's like, oh no, that's a talented player. I just want to scoop that guy up for my squad. I think that Ray was probably a bit on that mold. And you know that he had the inside scoop from Nick Saban down there at Alabama. Like, look, okay, when this guy can play, he's actually pretty solid. Ray has been flashing all over the place with his pass rushing skills. He's been whooping people in one-on-ones. And I think he had like three or four would-be sacks and team drills so far. And I would say right now, the only other interior defender who gets after the pass rusher with any kind of regularity like that is Ray's former... Alabama teammate Christian Barmore so I think you could use that kind of upside on your roster for rotational purposes and it'll be tough I'll say he'll be behind guys like Henry Anderson and potentially Dietrich Wise Jr. for snaps I don't think there are a ton of spots open on the interior I think the Patriots only took six defensive tackles last year like interior defensive linemen so they're I don't know that might not leave enough room for him to make the team But I'll say this, I can't think of anyone else who would beat him out among that kind of fringe batch of players. Like Sam Roberts, the sixth-round pick from this year, hasn't really done a whole lot worth writing home about, I would see, at least not compared to Ray. So if you're carving out an extra spot on that line for somebody, right, and say like even you kicked over Dietrich Wise Jr. to the edge, which I think could use a little bit of depth, then maybe that creates a little bit then maybe that creates a little bit of room for Ray. And even so, I I feel like if Ray doesn't make the 53, he'll probably land on the practice squad. One honorable mention, who's also an undrafted free agent I want to mention, is Brendan Schooler, who's like a safety linebacker, tweener type, who's gotten a lot of hype for his special teams work so far at camp. I still feel like he's a bit of a long shot to break camp with the team as a special teamer when you already have core guys like Matthew Slater and Cody Davis and Justin Bethel around. And I think that Bill Belichick has been pretty clear on wanting to maintain as much experience as possible, right? You don't want to have to worry that much, especially on special teams. Uh, That said, I think that Schooler could be a next man up in terms of special teams And I think he would stand a pretty good chance of making the practice squad because, like, for example, he's not really offering a whole lot in terms of defensive value. He's basically only a special teamer. He literally can't cover anyone in the passing game. Just can't do it. But they've been using him all over the place on special teams. If he were to make the practice squad, that is an ideal spot for him to learn from the likes of Matthew Slater, Cody Davis, and Justin Bethel and perhaps be groomed to take over a bigger role in special teams for next year 
if he is able to stay with the team. Because I will say this, I mean, like linebackers and safeties, special teams kinds of players, I think they do tend to get snapped up a little bit more on cut down day, just because I think a lot of teams are looking to add talent and in depth to that back end of their roster. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see about Schooler, but I think he stands a pretty good chance of sticking with the Patriots on the practice squad and learning from the best while he's here. That's it for my little preliminary yay or nay for players that could make this 53-man roster who are kind of on the bubble there. So check back in with me in a couple of weeks and we will see if I was right or if I need to eat crow on some people. Anyway, I'm Kyrie Thompson. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, listen on the Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcasts, this is First in Foxborough.